Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of And Then an Aeroplane. I am, as always, your host, Autumn June, and I am, as always, joined by M. It's Ghibli time. I didn't even have to look up what episode number. I remembered it halfway through talking. I feel so proud of myself. I looked it up. I, I was like, I was ready to go. It's episode 10, but I did look it up. Uh, oh, uh, we didn't talk about this, uh, and I haven't looked anything up, but... As far as Ghibli news goes, people should know that a lot of uh, Ghibli stuff is coming to Netflix next month, it sounds like. Not in America, uh, or Canada, or Japan. Never mind, I don't give a shit. Because all that's <laughs> going to HBO Max. But for everyone who lives in Europe, you can watch most... There's like a schedule, like they're not all coming at once because they're doing European language versions of the mo- Like things that don't have dubs are getting dubs, so it's like a rollout. Um but please look forward to that. Um, if you haven't, and you, you know, if you're not grabbing all these movies off uh, eBay like I am, or uh, finding them online, however people find movies in uh, 2020, um, you can watch them legally soon. Um, someone said what the first one that was like going to line up with when we covered it the podcast was. That was like a week ago. Don't ask me to remember things. Um, yeah. I want to say it was I, Princess Monoke, but I could be wrong. It's. I think it's whatever's app. After Whisper of the Heart. That's Princess um, Mononoke. Okay, well, wow, Mononoke is coming up faster than I thought. I thought we had another movie between Whis- Whisper and Mononoke. No. Um, Mononoke is 97, then My Neighbor the Amadas is 99, then Spirited Away is 2001. Wow, what? Yeah. Weird. I, I guess I thought Yamada's was between Whisper of the Heart and Mononoke, yeah. but... Um, speaking of my neighbor, the Humatas, we were watching, uh, Palm Poco this week, um, which is another Isao Takahata film. Uh, Palm Poco came out in, I just had it, 1994, uh, directed by Isao Takahata, um, produced by Suzuki. Um... Is there anything other preamble stuff we do? <laughs> no, not really. This isn't like based on anything. It's just a script. Yeah. Um, do you want to summarize it? Do you want me to summarize it? Sure, it's... I can I can summarize it. So it opens in the 60s and uh, a bunch of Tanuki are living in the woods and they their land is being encroached on by a development project for a sub- suburb called New Tama uh, in the Tama Hills, which is in the outskirts of Tokyo. Uh, they decide that they are going to do their best to like keep their heads down and survive this. But uh, fast forward to the 90s, early 90s, and... Uh, now the there is no land. The land is rapidly vanishing as New Tama is blown up, uh, and they are fighting for resources. Uh, like they're going to war over the food, and then they are united uh, by the matriarch uh, Oroku, who's like, "You have to stop having kids, and you need to work together, and we need to fight off these humans." Um, and so they gather together uh, and use their Tanuki powers to try to overpower the humans. Uh, Tanuki, if you don't know, are Japanese raccoon dogs who are. Are mythical creatures that can transform and uh, they have giant ball sacks. That's the other thing. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm, I, I literally am just totally unfazed by it. I don't know. I just know this about Tanuki. It doesn't. No, that's not the funny part. The funny part is hearing you say ball sacks. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, they're torn because the younger the group, uh, like the 
like the young prodigy uh shokichi wants to use non-violent means and transformation to scare off the developers and the workers and uh gonta who is like older and more aggressive wants to just go and murder all the humans um not really questioning how that would happen um they manage it once because they get some you know cars to drive off a road by transforming into Mm -hmm. a tree but they're not going to fight off like a whole army uh they're not they're they're little raccoon dogs they're cute like that they can't do that (laughs) uh anyway um they tried to do this as uh their efforts do not do well they send out two uh younger uh people to go find the great transformation masters at the far ends of japan and bring them here to help them uh, they do increasingly desperate uh, stunts, including a huge parade at night to try to scare off the people of uh, New Tama, uh, which only endears everyone to the weird parade they saw because it's the 90s. No one's superstitious. They just see some cool ghost shit and go, that's cool. I would like to see more of that. I would pay money to see more of that, uh, which puts them <laughs> in further uh, hot water when a... D- wonderland amusement park uh decides to take credit for it and sends out one of their like guys to go find out who actually did it and hire them it turns out that person's a fox who's another mythical animal that can transform the fox and all the foxes that exist uh long ago just transformed into humans and are living human lives and they tell the raccoon or the tukey to give it up all you got to do is just live as humans and if you, they can't live as humans then those people need to be let go because you can't save everyone in the face of the world um the Snooky don't buy it. They try their best. It turns out that they are wrong. And over the course of the last 40 minutes of this movie, you see them lose multiple struggles against the police and in the press and against progress itself as Tanuki die and then Tanuki run away. And some of them, the ones that cannot transform, just become wild raccoons in Japan. The ones that can just try their best living normal human lives. And it is the most tragic thing that's ever happened. The end. Yeah, I was weeping for probably the last 20 minutes of the film. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I did not watch the dub at all, because right before I clicked play, I had just, like, a gut feeling that I was going to want to watch the sub on this one, maybe because the sub was, like, so exceptional with Only Yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um who who is notable in the in the dub cast and in the sub okay so the dub is from 2005 uh, it's one of the later ones uh i didn't watch it at all myself uh notable uh actors in that uh, shokiji is voiced by jonathan taylor thomas gonta is voiced by clancy brown those two characters to me are like meant to be like like similar in age and clancy brown's like four times older than jtt i feel like uh yeah that's weird i (laughs) what you've got you've got normal uh ghibli dub diehards like trust mcneil and jk simmons john dimaggio's in this but those are the two that really stood out as like oh these guys huh okay those are the people you spent the money on um also it looks like jk simmons in I don't remember this person, this raccoon's name off the top of my head, but I'm assuming J.K. Simmons is playing the raccoon that looks like J.K. Simmons. Uh, Saizamon, he's the one with like the little beard. Uh, he's like one of the older ones. Um, okay, okay. Also, I said raccoon because 
My sub said raccoon yes. constantly. It was really I am bothering using me. I am using the I obviously have the Disney Blu-ray and the dub there or the subs there call it a raccoon. I don't know if the G Kids yeah. dub is better or the subs are better, um, but it's fine. I knew they were saying Tanuki. I could hear them saying Tanuki. Mm-hmm. I knew they meant Tanuki. Um, raccoon is incorrect, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, it's probably just like. If I'm not thinking about it, I'm going to keep saying raccoon. Yes. They also colloquially yeah. call them a raccoon pouches, and what they mean is enormous retractable ball sacks. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there anyone notable in the subcast? So there's or? a little bit. So the thing with the subs, I went through these, and a lot of these people don't have Wikipedia pages and don't even have, like, when I look for what they did, IMDb lists, like, three movies that are Japanese that I've never even heard of, and that's it, or nothing. Um, I feel like Takahata seemingly just has a desire to use people who are not traditional voice actors, um, which is fine. I think it definitely gives his films a quality. Uh, the ones that I did write stuff down for, uh, Tama Saburo is voiced by Akira Kamiya, and uh, he's Kenshiro on Fist of the North Star. Uh, he's Kaniku Man, and he's Roy Fokker in SDF Macross. Um, Sasuke, who's like the friend who likes humans too much, is voiced by Megumi uh, Hayashibara. She is the voice of female Ranma in Ranma One Half. She's the voice of Rei Ayanami in Evangelion, and she's the voice of oh. Faye Valentine in Cowboy Bebop. Okay. And then the only other one of note that I could find, uh, Kyo, um, Shokichi's girlfriend, who he ends up marrying, is voiced by Yuriko Ishida, who we will see in two episodes as the voice of Princess Mononoke herself. So. Okay. Um, pretty sure that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. The most heartbreaking movie we've seen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's weird. This is a hard movie to talk about because it... One, it is, it presented as like a, like a historical record, like someone is narrating over the top of the whole thing. Um, the mm. Japanese title is Heisei Era Raccoon Dog War Ponpoko. Uh, like it is presented as like a historical event that spans generations. And in, like often that includes like whole sequences where a lot of information is presented to you and then d- dramatic things will happen in a cut and a single piece of narration like a major character dies off screen and they go they did not survive the narrator and then it moves on um which i i think is great but it does make this a hard movie to talk about um because it yeah. despite it being only 119 minutes it feels like it's a, a lifetime that you've gone through the great raccoon dog war <laughs> I took a, a quick break at the 30-minute mark because I was like, wow, I must be, like, like an hour in. Like, it feels like we're really trucking along. And then I, as I was taking my break, I was like, oh, wow, I have another 90 minutes of movie. <laughs> and, like, all 90 minutes are just, like, knockout fucking incredible stuff. Like, this is a really great movie. But, yeah, it is, it is a slog in, like, a good way in that it is just like um sometimes i felt like information overload because of the like documentary style of it um and sometimes i was feeling just like both a lot happens because um we were getting a lot of like intimate scenes of like the characters lives and also nothing happens because it is just slow decay over like decades yeah 
Um, yeah, you have like whole montages of like, we're going to train this generation to be transformation masters. And it's like incredible, vibrantly animated, very fun and funny and beautiful. And then you have, you know, we're going to war against the humans and every time they gain very little. And because they're just cute Tanuki who love life, uh, every success, no matter how small is a huge party, which only derails their energy to keep fighting further. Um, and you, you like, you know, this movie is about enjoying the moments of them celebrating, knowing that it's their doom, right? <laughs> like, it's just the most right. painful situation to be in. And, and, like, this is, in some ways, it is a more heartbreaking film than Grave of the Fireflies was because, like, just the absolute joy that permeates some parts of the film, um, like, watching them transform is a lot of fun. Like, Takahata and the animators are really, like, flexing throughout this movie in, yes. like, a really impressive way. Like, the background paintings and, like, sometimes the um, ways that the, the Tanuki are animated, like, very realistically, like... The Tanuki all have, like, three different forms that they exist in, and it's just, like, visually stunning, which makes the, um, like, heartbreak hit that much harder. Yes. <laughs> um, um, and it is also just heartbreaking in 2020 to see, um, like a story where people are given the choice to like assimilate and erase their culture or die. Um, it is hard in 2020 to watch a film, um, about humans as sort of uncaring gods that are going to destroy the world around them. Uh, <laughs> it has been heartbreaking to watch those things for decades, but especially in 2020, it is hard to watch. Yeah. Um, Roll it back a little bit. The animation style of this movie, I think, is like yeah. really exceptional because it trades in like the the Tanuki are presented in three levels of realism. There's just there the raccoon dogs running through the forest, looking like real ass raccoons, uh, like you know animated but rendered realistically. There's the version that are very cartoonish to me that they evoke like. 70s western animation in a lot of ways like there's a oh absolutely um yeah there's like a real like original hobbit like bank uh rank and bass quality to them um mm -hmm. and then there's like an even simpler version that they transform into that's like it's based on uh this mangaka named shigeru sugira uh who did like gag manga in seemingly like through the 50s and 60s that uh takahata was a fan of and those are just like like plain like very simple bodies with like very cartoonish heads uh they look like like a kid's storybook and it's the you know to get their most innocent and uh, mm -hmm. uh usually when they're making the worst possible choices that they could make in this situation because the situation's grim like it's presented as like the march of progress obviously and the horror comes because it's played it's downplayed so much like it is not Fern Gully where there's like a giant smoke monster coming to menace these people out of their homes, right? Like it's like every day they wake up and a different, like a different part of the field is gone or there are less things to eat and they barely notice until it's too late. Like it's not dramatic. It is just an erosion of the way things were. Right. Like there is, um, one of the most, one of my favorite sequences in the film is, um, 
Shokichi uh, falls in love and they have four four babies in the uh, spring. And then there is just a quick montage of, oh, but then there wasn't, there was even less land the following year. So like most of the generation born that spring um, died immediately. Yes. Um, and it's just like, just in a quick two-minute montage just like the death of a generation yes you know and we do not see those children again the thing i like about that is that it's like a third of the way through the movie like the first spring comes and it's just like the women judo throwing the men when they approach them to like let's have kids that's what we do (laughs) we're animals it's springtime you have children uh and then by the second year like Everyone is just given into their animal instincts. And when, uh, Shokichi and Kyo, like, finally hook up, like, they're both talking about how they're the smart ones who have been, like, guiding people. They won't fall for this as they literally fall into each other's arms. Uh, and then the narrator, as it cuts away, just goes, that was a mistake. <laughs> uh, and, like, one of, the, one of the really striking things about that sequence is the way that it moves between the styles of animation because we see them as, like, the form that they are most often in the film, which, like, personifies them. Um, yeah. And then it moves into the realistic form to rem- to kind of remind the audience, like, this is happening to, like, real species in the real world. Like, yeah. this is not the fantasy thing that we are presenting it as. Yes. Um... um. And then, like, to make this a little more serious, like, the whole uh, proclamation that no one can have children uh, because there's not enough resources and they have to fight instead of, you know, have babies is very much, like, part of, like, the whole movie is showing you the framework by which people like a cultural genocide happens, right? Like the people are forced to take on the burdens of we have, we have to make this stuff stretch. We can't have kids. Uh, you see this with like poor people don't have kids because they can't afford it. Uh, or people are told you shouldn't have kids because you can't afford it, which is even worse. And like, this is imposed top down by the elders in the clan who have probably had their kids and grown up. But like, it is a reflection of like the real world scenarios that people who are ostracized or on the margins have imposed upon them um and then that like that goes through to there's the the violence like by the time someone is like uh going to actually wants to perform violence everyone is so hungry all the time that they can't actually do anything like he does a coup and in the middle of the coup they start talking about food and everyone's so hungry that they just give up like there's nothing left at that point in terms of actual fighting spirit and so when gonta goes and marches out to fight the police um like, he's going to die. Like, he knows he is. Like, everyone is marching up for a last stand, not because they think they're going to win. Um, and they get gunned down, and there's a huge pile of raccoon, or, or you know, tanuki corpses, and it sucks. Uh, and, and then even the question at the end of, like, do you assimilate or not is something that's very deeply steeped in, like, what happens to cultures that are colonized and oppressed, right? Um, Right. Like so much of the back end of this movie to me is like a, like, you know, like in Japan, this would be read as like what happened to the Ainu or whatever. Uh, or you could read it as what happens to natives in America or, uh, black people who've been brought over as slaves. Like what happens after emancipation when they're all asked to just be like act like your oppressors or the people who took you from your homes and destroyed your way of life. 
which is what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows that in really sobering detail as like the Tanuki all get office jobs, except they're fun loving little raccoon guys. They can't focus on their jobs. So most of them end up on the street begging, uh, just to get money to feed themselves because that's the way of life they have left. Right. And the, the movie like draws like a very direct line between like, like, capitalism is causing this capitalism is causing like the destruction of like the natural environment and the destruction of culture and like those two things are one in the same and like um and there's a really interesting shot early on um and a little bit of the narrator talking that's like uh they viewed the human like the tanuki viewed the humans as gods who just like had all this power that they couldn't even comprehend and like in some ways that is true like the we are gods like just wreaking havoc upon the earth with like power that people should not have and also like the the film is a reminder that like we are also like this is our fate too as we continue to perpetrate like the violence that we are doing upon these like upon these people like yeah um the thing for me is like when that sequence happens it shows like a lounging buddha as like little bodhisattvas like paved down roads uh as like a wide shot of like this is this is what it looks like the tanuki the humans as gods reshaping the land and the thing about nutama is that it's it's seen it like it doesn't portray the humans as evil and it doesn't portray Nutama as like this blight on the world outside of the understanding that like it's ruining the raccoon's way of life. Like it's a nice suburb. People live there. They have families. The people are kind. Like when the people, there's a bit in late, very late in the movie where, uh, the Tanuki charge a, uh, apartment building and like a mother and her two kids see the Tanuki and they're just happy to see these wild animals that they've never seen before. Like, Oh, let's, I'll get them food. And then they run away before they can do that. Um, like the humans are not malicious and what the human, like what the human perception of what Nutama is, is like, this is nurturing people by building them a nice, cozy place to live. It is the thoughtless destruction that matters, not the like malicious destruction. Right. Like the most evil person in the movie is like the CEO of Wonderland who is um, like just an awful CEO, but like, that's not, what every person is most most humans are just like oblivious and like if they were aware would be sympathetic but are not going to do anything to stop the development of Nutama. yeah um, i mean and he's not like the only way in which he is evil like he is not like a villain is that he believes that mm-hmm. the innate like magical nature of the tanuki is something that he can buy and utilize right like to him an innate right. part of their culture is a commodity and that is the thing that is horrible about him but that's like everyone right like that is that is like right. a that is not a failure of this one man who is uh, a criminal it is the failure of people in society is to see things other as like exoticized and worth uh utilization right and like like i i don't even recall him getting a name because he he is so replaceable with just like everyone and anyone yeah, he's just wonderland um, president in the cast list so yeah um and yeah like 
I am really reminded of like the little suburb of Kansas City I grew up in was like maybe 20,000 people before I was born and is 150,000 people oh, now. Oh, that's, that's a lot like, bigger. Yeah, yeah. Like this is just a thing that is happening in like my life and in the places I live and like Newtama like looks similar in a lot of ways to like the places I grew up. Yes. Like many of the places um, I drive by daily that are like de- like either housing developments or like stores were cornfields when I was a child because I grew up in this area. Um right and um that also just reminds me that like the narrator mentions like um the tanuki made it into the news and um the humans like built some parks yes um, which they probably feel great about they probably feel like oh we fucking nailed it we built some parks yes. you know <laughs> yeah um yeah, the, the part where the movie sells that is like a good, like the Tanuki also see that as a good because they don't have, like the Tanuki don't have ideology in the way that we joke about, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you listen to Gundam and it's permeated kind of our friend circle, like Autumn, you're, we are all guilty of it is like, yeah, the statement have ideology is like, understand that we operate in a society, we have a viewpoint and like everything is politicized. The Tanuki live in like a very innocent state of nature. Um that they they don't come around on like there's no popping that bubble because their nature is different from humans they can't understand um like if there's a fault that you can have with the metaphor of this movie it's that like actually in real life the people this happened to understand all too well what happened to them uh and this can kind of chai like uh ju- what do i want um infant infantilize them that's the right word there um mm-hmm. because like you know you can go and read the accounts of native peoples or black people who have uh, like had slavery in their history. And like people know what the hell happened to them. Uh, but the Tanuki mm-hmm. do not. And that is just a part of their nature. Yeah. Um, and like the ways that they want to like resist what's happening to them is like so simplistic. Like Gonta Gonta just wants to um, kill, kill the humans. humans. Yeah, whatever that means. And no idea of how to achieve that, but he's ready to go kill the humans. Which uh, when when he killed that truck driver, I was like, oh wow, this movie's getting dark. Well, I, I was watching no a Destiny, and I was like, oh, those guys are dead. And then no, they were actually dead, which I didn't think the movie was going to do. <laughs> right, like I did not think they were going to actually murder people, but they did do yeah. that. Um, it's also uh, so. There was something that really affected me and like, it starts with like murdering that truck driver and then easily just like graduates into, and then we just pranked them for a long time. Um, well, that's what they have, right? Like they're trickster animals, like in mythology. And so that's what they do, but the world doesn't support that any, like they can scare a couple individuals, but they can't, they can't affect change. Um, and the thing, I think the thing that's interesting is that the three transformation masters that, uh, Thomas Aburo goes and finds are, they're all like from myths of Japan. Like they all have Wikipedia pages, these three guys, um, the actual Snooki, because they are part of Japanese myth and they're fine. They're living in shrines because they operate in a part of the world that is valuing how they've existed through time because there are myths that prevent capitalist society from bulldozing everything. Um, but even they can't do anything. Like 
the only reason they survive is because of the culture humans have built around them a hundred years ago, hundreds of years ago, not anything they can affect in 1990. Right. Right. Cause they, they, they oh. pull, pull forth all three of their efforts and everyone in the village to do this huge ghost parade that they're going to think scares off everyone. And it's cool. <laughs> everyone thinks it's cool because it's cool. <laughs> it's just like every monster out of Japanese legend marching down the street, like tiny geisha and huge ogres. And, uh, it's amazing. So of course everyone's enchanted. I'd be enchanted too. I was enchanted. <laughs> <laughs> um, it I mentioned a, a while back, like, it feels like Takahata is flexing, and the, like, lengthy scene of, like, two older guys, like, eating and drinking as, like, they don't notice the ghost parade yes. behind them. Like, both the animation there and just, like, that's just, like, a really good idea for a scene, and it just feels like he's just showing off with, like, just all the ideas on display in this movie. Yes. Um, God. Um I'm so sad we've only got two Takahata films left. Um, what else? What else? Um, I also was thinking a little bit about Only Yesterday in the um, very early part of this film, uh, just because... Um, it briefly touches on like um this used to be like a really this used to be like an agriculture uh place where people tilled fields and like there's a lot of stuff that evokes um only yesterday yes. and like the move away from agrarian society and like that is a thread throughout his work um that I I wish I um I wish there was a I wish I could pick up that thread a little more um, the, other than just it sucks that people abandon uh, agriculture. The, the thing I like about how it's presented here is it's a last vision of the Tanuki before they give up. They're like, if we're going to go out, we're going to go out giving them one last illusion, the illusion of the world that they gave up. And so they do this mm. and they render new Tama how it used to be in rice patties and farmers. And the people are enchanted by it. Uh, like the people love it. But they're not going to live there. Uh, it it no. can't support the people. It's not real. It's not sustainable. Like to me, it's a like a gesture towards only yesterday and pointing at that and going, "We all love this. I love this." But this is this is nostalgia. This is not the world we live in. And thinking that like that's the solution is false. Like I feel mm -hmm. like it's self reflective on the idea that a lot of Ghibli movies are about the beauty of the rural and the old, and I think Takahata looks at that and is like, that stuff can't sustain itself in a world where like war and capitalism and development exist. Uh, they all get wiped away. Like it, it's a nice dream, and you can give it to people to remember what they lost, but we're just reminding you of what you've lost, not of what you need to go and reclaim. Um, Right. And the thing that, like, breaks the spell that they cast is that, like, they themselves, like, I think they see, like, yes. some people that they used to have and lost, and, like, they go and pursue the illusion, and it, like, evaporates because they do that, which yes. is just, like, a really powerful metaphor. Yeah. Which, to me, I couldn't not read that as Takahata talking about what Studio Ghibli does. Like they create, mm -hmm. they create these illusions of the Japan that was because they're old ass men reflecting back on their childhoods, right? Um, and it's fake. Like you can take a lot from it; it can be worthwhile, but it's not real, right? And they, 
like they also live in this in a society like you know um like studio ghibli is a like part of an industry and industry is what is like killing the earth and killing these people and like there's no avoiding the fact that studio ghibli is like the result of industrialization yeah um movie <laughs> i'm about to cry on the podcast just thinking about this movie <sighs> that's fair um you know it's a it's a real bummer um couple things i guess before we get into questions and wrapping up or whatever i love that when thomas aburo goes to find the three transformation masters he's just living in a much different anime where he goes and he meets right. the daughter and he, he and her have kids and there's this bit where they're just walking around in kimono uh you know in the far end of japan uh, far away from these problems like in a in a place where people can be happy <laughs> which is not where the rest mm -hmm. of the movie is uh and there's a great scene where they're like dressed as humans even though no one's watching and they're just having this very elegant like you know classical japanese they're wandering wandering across the like walkways of the porch around their house and then it cuts to them as tanuki again and thomas aburo is like the closest a tanuki could get to be an anime protagonist he has like a fake mohawk uh and looks sad <laughs> all the time uh and it it's just like the ways in which it pokes fun at like the these this is the character that be the hero in a different story i think is very good and thoughtful yeah um the other really striking thing is uh bunta the other um tanuki who goes out and like tries to find the old masters yes. um he comes back and is like how did all of this happen in three years and like to to me the audience it felt like oh wow like this like because the movie feels so long i think intentionally so like it felt like it took forever for this to happen and he comes back he's like i was only gone for three years in three years they've like totally destroyed our culture our way of life um like these things happen so quickly. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then the other thing I really wanted to point out is the ending of this movie, uh, where Shokichi seems to be the only person who can actually hold down a job. Like he, he's got a, he works in an office and his wife sells food, right? She's like a, uh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like a street vendor and they're raising, they mentioned that they're raising their kids, right? Isn't that, do they, they must have yeah, had other kids? So I guess, yeah. Cause we never saw those kids that they had yeah. as, uh, Tanuki again. Yeah. So, so I assume I guess... they have different kids. Uh, but he's mm -hmm. like walking home and sees a Tanuki and it's like realistic form running across the street and like wanders into the wild Tanuki dancing in the park and comes to join them. And there's like this bit where they're like, you need to be like, they literally address the camera going, ah, oh, you need to take care of all of the creatures of the world. Like, you know, you think about how Tanuki's disappeared, but think about the rabbits and the birds who you don't see anymore and they can't transform, transform into humans. They're just gone because you killed them all. Uh, mm -hmm. and then they join their little Tanuki dance circle and it pulls out and they're like in the middle of a golf course in the middle of the city. There, and God. there's nothing left but the parks that have been designed for people. Um, it's a lot. Golf courses are mentioned in like one, maybe two other spots in this movie. Yeah. And it just makes me mad about the existence of golf courses. Yes. It's so fucking bullshit. Yes. 
what if what if we made this enormous park but it's private land uh for nothing other than the enjoyment of the ultra rich who use it as a leisurely and obnoxious wasteful sport (laughs) yes and only use it for like six hours of each day and then the rest of and only for like a couple months each year and for the rest of this for the rest of the year this has to be maintained in this beautiful perfection that will just kill everything yeah yeah what if it's all a lawn that has to be meticulously manicured like lawns themselves are bullshit but what if we just made a lawn Mm. that spans for acres god yeah (sighs) ah Oh. Anything else? I feel like that's probably it. We have a bunch of well, we have three questions, but you know. Yeah, um let's go to questions. Okay. Uh do you want to rank this? Uh I think it's funny if we uh try to rank this. I think this is probably the third best movie we've seen. My my top two are unassailable. Mm. What are your top two? Uh Nausicaa and only yesterday. Yes, and the which one is which changes basically on the day. I'm going to go, right now I'm going to go Only Yesterday, Pompoko, Nausicaa. Okay. I think that's my top three. Yeah. Uh, but, like, all three of those could easily change any day of the week. Um, I think it's funny how much we have been uh, invigorated by learning that outside of Nausicaa, Miyazaki doesn't have shit on Takahata. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Porco Rosa is a good movie. There's nothing wrong with Porco Rosa. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about Spirited Away. Yeah. I'm going to try and go to Mononoke with an open mind. Like, Miyazaki's good. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> yeah. it's wild how Takahata is just running circles around this tune. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, we've only got we've only got two more movies with him. Um, I am concerned about Yamada's in some way because it looks like a comedy film I'm sure that it's going to break my heart in some way that I I mean I I would love to see what Takahata does with a comedy because when his movies are funny they're incredibly funny yeah for sure for sure um and at a I remember when uh the tale of princess kaguya was um going through the awards circuit a couple years ago um and like got nominated for Oscars. I remember seeing it and thinking it looked a little too self-serious, but like that was, you know, all movies look too self-serious when presented at the Oscars. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, excited for, excited for what we've got next, I guess. Yeah. Or soon. All right. Musical break. <laughs>
Hello, we're back with questions. If you would like to send questions about the movies we're covering every episode or the movies we covered before, or, you know, you just want to ask us questions, we'll take them. Uh, if they're too weird, we won't answer them here, but you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, I have three emails uh, this time. The first one is from uh, Klauselin in the Discord. Uh, I had somehow forgotten just how extremely sad this movie becomes at the end. The final shot of the golf course over to just urban sprawl might be the bleakest shot in a Ghibli film. The movie is otherwise a masterclass in animation and all the transformations and the three distinctly different depictions of raccoon dogs as beautifully shown in the opening shot. Uh, mixes humor and drama perfectly. The scene where the raccoon dogs clown on the police is great. Also the ghost parades. Uh, how is animal life being forced to adapt to an urban environment where you live? I tend to see foxes in the neighborhood and sometimes roe deer. Um, deer and elk. So those are mostly on farm grounds near dusk. Um, I would, I, I would, uh, I'm glad that, uh, Takahata's established as a great director. Uh, Throws in a recommendation to check out Takahata's pre-Ghibli work, Horace the Prince of the Sun, Ghost the Cellist, uh, Jenrico Chie, uh, are the movies. I also, th- he did Go, Go Panda, right? I think those are shorts, but I've, I've heard. I think so. Like I was, them. I was looking at, um, his TV credits. I hadn't looked at his, um, uh, film credits as much, but I definitely, I'm really curious about like what he was doing before Ghibli in a big way. Yeah. Um, so what's the, what's the local wildlife situation where you were at? Um, I have an answer for that in my, but right before I do, I was reminded Grave of the Fireflies ends with like the exact same, like pull up to urban sprawl. I just realized. Yes. Um, but in a very which, different context, right? <laughs> yeah. I had just, I just remembered that and was like, okay, okay. I don't have much to say about it. I think. At most, it speaks for itself. But anyway, um, so in Missouri, we used to have a lot before I was around. Um, we used to have a lot, a lot, a lot of wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, and the state put out uh, a directive that like it was wolf hunting season, and we have essentially eradicated wolves in Missouri. Huh. Um, which in turn means that. Missouri now has a deer problem. Oh, yeah. Um, We have, like, maybe the most, like, deer population density, like, way more than we should, which means that now the state is like, oh, we should all just go hunt deer. Like, that's the state's solution to everything is just, we should all just go hunt those things and, like, population control them instead of just, like, bringing wolves back to Missouri. (laughs) Yeah. It's fucked up. Um, uh, as far as wildlife in Kansas goes, all I know is that, like, Monsanto owns most of the land in the state, probably. Um, That's probably true here. Um, Omaha, where I live, is on the river. Uh, it's a very old city, you know, it's been around since pioneering days, so, uh, I feel like most of the damage done to the environment has been well established for a long time now, um live in the middle of suburban sprawl so you don't see a lot but if you go out if you go out to the edges you'll see a bunch of raccoons and deer like there's plenty of roads that i have driven on where i'm very afraid of hitting a deer i have friends who've hit deer and that's a big uh fear because uh, deer are big mm-hmm. and they will fuck up your car uh right there there's like plenty of trees and forests like in the city that are like just planned wildlife uh areas uh we have a big like forest park um that is full of animals um that you can go and visit and whatever um but 
you know, Omaha is known for a, a world-class zoo, which is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of the big things here, um, which is great, but is a very different thing than like where our animals are at. But, um, by and large, I feel like it's just been, it's just the same suburban sprawls anywhere, right? Like it's just endless mm-hmm. every like roads and houses and Walmarts and, uh, right. You know, I went to the Omaha zoo when I was young. I've been to the St. Louis zoo a few two maybe three times since i've lived here Mm. zoos make me so fucking depressed oh i love the zoo Um, i fucking love the zoo um the thing the thing with modern zoos is that most of the modern zoos have pivoted really hard to education and like they are not capturing Mm. wild animals they are restoring populations and like like zoos are consolidating their elephants because they realize elephants are social animals. So they will move elephants to singular spots where there will be 20 of them instead of one in every zoo. There's 20 of them in one zoo. Um, because they need that. Um, I think, I think there's value in zoos. Uh, especially since zoos have I been think- going so long, they are now perpetuating their own ecologies. They're not like going and capturing wild animals. Yeah. I have had, I've had it explained to me why zoos are good actually. Uh, and I believe it, It they just make me depressed because I can't get over the, like, I can't get over it in my head when I just see a zebra in a cage in St. Louis, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, the thing, the thing with... Even if it's a very nice yeah. enclosure, the, I shouldn't say cage. Yeah, I was gonna say, the thing here is, like, we have a lot of really big feature areas, like, there's a artificial jungle, there's an artificial desert, and, like, huge areas for animals that I feel like are very different than, like the old cat house was like tigers pacing in front of glass. And I, I find that upsetting. I don't like that very much, but every time I go to the zoo, I go to the butterfly pavilion like three times, which is just like this beautiful small building. That's full of butterflies flying around because that's fantastic. Um, and is, I, I, I could spend hours in the butterfly pavilion, but the thing is I have to walk past the spiders to get to the butterflies, oh, yeah. which I can't do. <laughs> Are they actually separate those in our zoo. They're in a different place. Uh, which is nice. Um, you, uh, you'll see some cockroaches, but the, the spiders are in a different, like the children's education pavilion, which is nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, um, a little far afield from this question, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, Tron sent in a bunch of questions. Uh, what do you think of the soundtrack for this movie? What's your favorite song sung by Snooki? We, fe- I, I pulled uh, music. The music in this movie is really good. I love all the Snooki songs because they just sing all the time because they're very happy people. I don't often listen to movie soundtracks, so um, it, I might be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure this is the best soundtrack to a Ghibli movie we've had. The thing... I the- was really taken with this one the thing with the ghibli movies and uh i understand that this sounds gauche but i promise you this is just real life is both the sushi place and the thai restaurant i like to eat at play joe hisaishi movie scores non-stop while you're in there <laughs> and so i just associate the soundtracks of these with eating food that i like but, but that just means i don't eat i don't listen to them on my own ever um there is there's a ramen place near us that I really like and Nora does not like, so we don't go there much, but it is just all anime posters, and I'm pretty sure I've heard one of the Zeta Gundam EDs there. Oh, and th- this is way more like just soft j- jazz anime. Like, it's all, you know, it's all piano stuff, but I've eaten probably $100 of sushi to the theme of Spirited Away in my lifetime in, <laughs> like, conglomerate. <laughs> 
to see, this is like the sort of place that when I go there right after work at like one in the afternoon, it's a lunch place. But I think if I went there after five, it would just be a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, so di- very different vibe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who's your favorite character in this movie? Um, it's weird. I both got very attached to the characters and also um, it was hard to attach them in some ways because it is um, like the nature documentary way of it. I guess Shokichi. Okay. Uh, I would, I would go Gonto. I go like, he's a ridiculous character, but he's the person who advocates for the thing that I think like, ideally these people should be able to do it's too late and not enough, but they should fucking go murder all those humans. (laughs) Yeah, I, I do wish they were murdered a few more truck, dri- truck drivers. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is your favorite looking shot and scene in this movie? Shot or scene? Um, I, I think I already shouted out like everything that's happening um, as the as the two guys are talking um, and the parade goes on behind them. I just think that's like an incredible sequence. Um, I also really like the opening of this movie just the paintings at the opening mm-hmm. uh, the very only yesterday-esque paintings i like the uh the transformation montage towards the beginning of the movie where everything like the, the tanuki just transforming into a bunch of cool objects uh in oh yeah as they are training is all very good her like throwing them over the cliff as they transform into pots so they can land harmlessly in the grass great i love it <laughs> Um, um, what are your thoughts on ecoterrorism? I run a Twitter account called Time to Go Access, which is about how I think that it'd be good if you just nuked all the rich. So I feel like my feelings on this are very clear. Yeah, I would say I am in the pro ecoterrorism column. <laughs> I think I think that there's not been enough of it. I think that people should be bombing Amazon warehouses daily. Um, but I also recognize that I'm not going to do it because I'm a coward and I wouldn't. I would never like scold people for not doing it i just think that like planets dying cloud people need to do fucking something right same on all counts <laughs> yes yeah um, <laughs> uh were you surprised by the amount of tanuki testicles that were in this movie it was the only thing i knew before this movie uh i was surprised when he i was surprised when that rug was the old guy's ball yes um after that I was, like, pretty on board with just, yeah, okay, this is, like, what I thought it would be. Yeah, it's pretty chill about it. I don't know. Yeah, I, like, I get why this is probably why this movie was not, like, brought over here very, like, zealously, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I think I think if it wasn't for the part where you're trying to sell a kid's movie about animals with huge balls, you could, uh, I think that, like, this movie, people would eat this movie up because, uh, you know, America loves talking about uh, ecology and not doing anything about it. <laughs> Um, Avatar is the highest grossing movie of all time. That's a terrible movie about ecology. Uh, have I have I told you the story where my dad brought me to see An Inconvenient Truth when I was 11? No. And <laughs> Everything I know about your dad is uh, he's the first against the wall, so I need to hear this story immediately. <laughs> when I was 11, he took me to see An Inconvenient Truth, and then we went to Whole Foods afterwards, and like he was trying to explain to me why the movie was so important, and I was like, Bro, I just want to listen to Linkin Park. I'm so bored right now. <laughs> you know? That's the story. That's all there is. That's fair. I don't think I've ever seen uh, an inconvenient truth. Uh I feel like I, I feel like it wasn't I, I feel like either. it wasn't I, pitched at me. I like I know. I understand. 
Yeah, like... Yeah. Uh, if you could transform into any living thing or object, what would you transform into the most? Ooh. What would be fun to transform into? I think being a spooky skeleton, uh, I think scaring people would be fun. Uh, I think I think I'd transform into plants. I, I like plant. If I could be a tree, being a tree sounds pretty good. It's just chill, yeah. like very meditative. Just like be big and like quiet and not like no one cares that you're those things and just be chill. Can I listen to a podcast while I'm transformed into a tree? Sure. If so, <laughs> I mean, plant, plants respond to sound, so yes, I think you can. Okay. Cool. Um, have you ever witnessed a publicity stunt in person? I once saw a person come out of a van playing the role of Austin Powers in front of my parents' house. That's wild. <laughs> is that you or is that Tron? That's talking? Tron. That's, no. that's not okay. me. I don't think I've ever seen an actual publicity stunt. Uh, the closest I've come is like the movie election filmed in my, like right where I am, like now, basically still in my high school. We talked about that on the repertory screenings about that movie. So... Yeah, I don't. Never seen a flash mob. Never seen any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's it for Tron. Uh, we have one last email from Adam uh, who asked, "Which anime Tanuki society would you all rather be a part of? Palm Pocos or the Eccentric Families?" Uh, Autumn, I assume you haven't seen Eccentric Family, right? I have not. I okay. didn't even know it was about Tanuki. Yeah, so I covered that in an episode of Your Uncle's Beach House. Uh, you can just go to that. It's an anime podcast. Usually people suggest things that are patrons on Patreon from Raw Mapping, and we cover them. And Eccentric Family is two seasons. We watched the first season, and it's about a Tanuki family uh, who, like, the Tanuki and the Tengu have all integrated into human society. They just pass as humans. Um, and the Tanuki, it's about a Tanuki family whose patriarch was eaten by humans who thought they were a delicacy they think to cure a delicacy um and ate their father and they're trying to deal with the fallout on the anniversary of his death it's a really good show it's really sad it's funny um it it is the book is written by the same person who wrote tommy galaxy and night of short walk on girl um and it has kind oh. of a yuasa-esque nature to it even though yuasa didn't direct it um but similar tonally to those two things if you like those you'll like eccentric family but um that was nice because people don't end up horribly like disenfranchised from their homes and cultures uh the culture is just adapted everyone there like is in human society but if there was scars about that they have long since passed everyone's just living their lives so i'll take that one thanks <laughs> <sighs> um yeah. yeah um that's it uh next time of course we'll be doing uh whisper of the heart uh i remember liking this movie but nothing about it specifically so i'm excited to revisit it um i thought this was miyazaki and i guess the screenplay is miyazaki but yes. the director is not yes so. this is uh directed uh oh i pick i click the wrong thing um no the thing here is this is uh directed uh by uh yoshifumi kondo who was meant to be like a big deal uh and both miyazaki and takahata thought that he could be their successor and then he died of an aneurysm in 1998 uh Aww. like very suddenly at 47 and was the reason miyazaki retired the first time <laughs> wow okay yes uh so that's all very sad um but I remember this movie being very good. And he's been a like a key animation uh an animation director on everything we basically everything we've watched so far. So 
Oh yeah, key animation only yesterday. Key yeah. animation, uh, Porco Rosso. Yeah, only yesterday. Yeah. Kiki's Grave of Fireflies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm excited for that thing. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah, I just assumed this was like a. I don't. I don't know why I thought it was a music musical that Miyazaki did. I don't know where I got that from. I don't know. It's a romance. Anyway. I remember it being very sweet. Um. So. Uh, well, yeah. That's uh, that's it. That'll be in three weeks. Uh, so I guess it's time for plugs. I'll do mine real quick. You've got a whole new podcast to plug. Uh, you can find I me do. on Twitter and em underscore being. Um, I do a Gundam podcast. You go to patreon.com slash door mapping. You can get that for a dollar. Um, Nora was on recently, uh, who I think is watching. Did Nora watch this with you? Because Nora did not send an she email did. this time. Okay. She, um, she joined me when I took that... Um, break 30 minutes in oh, okay. she's like oh, i missed the 30 minute first 30 minutes i don't know if i'm gonna like watch the whole movie and we were just both like enraptured the rest of the way through yeah so. no that's fair um you find me on twitter at autumnal underscore coffee there you will find a pinned tweet that links to this podcast and export audio i need to do a new pinned tweet because i started a new podcast uh absolute destiny apocalypse um which is gonna air on you know this episode is going up on this episode of Aeroplane is going up on Monday the third. The two Mondays after that, we'll do um, Apocalypse, and it'll just do you want to tell me what that is? <laughs> oh, I didn't say it's a revolutionary revolutionary girl Utena podcast. Yeah, uh, two episodes at a time. We're basically just stealing the Great Gundam Project format. It's um, it's a good format. I believe in it, so I'm happy to give it to anyone who wants it. <laughs> um. The first episode is a little bit of a mess, uh, and we're just we're working through it. So <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm excited um, to rewatch Lieutenant because I saw it ten years ago now, and uh, rewatching the first episodes, I was so excited. I, I Karevi has seen it. It is like foundational to them. I've seen the first little bit of it, but I haven't like I haven't seen where it becomes like the show that people love and adore and so i'm excited to like go on this journey in real time yeah i would i would have said it wasn't foundational to me but then i was thinking about it now that i've started watching it again and there's more it i feel like it did more for me than i re recognized originally so that's exciting there's a lot there it's like it's a very good show i'm very excited to watch it and uh, listen to the podcast uh so yeah. people should subscribe to that people should people should um People should find follow at Karevi Zector on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Sign off. Yeah, they're they're hard, especially when like the I feel very emotionally wrung out by this episode. Uh, there was a lot. Um, it's a sad time. So go watch a happy movie, and we'll be back in three weeks with uh, hopefully one that is happy. I think it will be. I, I remember. Go it. watch a happy movie and do an eco terrorism. Yeah.
I'm gonna go get my roommates to quiet down. I'll be back in just two seconds. Okay. I'm back. Hey. Uh, you get to hear me badly hum the giant bomb break music, but at two times speed because I don't know what it sounds like normally. 